Thank you for tuning into the Apostolic Pentecostal Church podcast. You are currently listening to one of our iGrow series lessons. If you're in the Bloomington, Illinois area and want to sit in person, feel free to join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for worship in the Word. Can't make it in person? No big deal. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram and search Apostolic Pentecostal Church. Either way, we'd love to fellowship and worship with you. We hope to see you. Thank you all for choosing to be a part of my session. Um, I want to start off by saying me teaching on this subject of studying the Word of God by no means makes me an expert. Um, but what little knowledge I have, I am very happy to, to share with you guys and give some tips on studying the Word of God. Um, I think we tend to make it a little bit more complicated than it is, um, and I, I hope I can encourage you guys to take a step further in your own journey in studying the Word of God. I want to preface uh, and say that studying the Word of God is not a race in any way. It's uh, not a race to the finish line, see who can you know, read the fastest, who can understand the most or remember the most, uh, and, and you know, memorize as much as you can of the Bible. Uh, but the goal is to grow. Everyone progresses at their own pace, and whether that is a little bit or a lot, you know, in a little amount of time, you know, that's great. Growing is growing, and that's what we're here to do. We're not here to, you know, judge on anybody else's journey. We're here to worry about ourselves and make sure that we're growing in our relationship with God. So I've spent the last uh, three years or so at Urshan College studying the Bible and studying Christian ministries. Uh, and I really did learn a lot there, and I was amazed with the information I was given by some incredible teachers and professors. I had a professor, his name was Dr. David Norris. He's uh, actually written a lot of my textbooks and a lot of books uh, in the UPCI that are uh, foundational in our beliefs and our our studies. So I was blessed to have him as a, as a teacher and an administrator, and I learned a lot from him. He is insane. He is such a, I almost said nerd, um, he is, he loves studying the Word of God to the point where he has memorized entire books of the Bible, like can read them and say them word for word without reading any notes or anything. He's memorized uh, books like Revelation uh, as just one example, and of all books to memorize, Revelation is probably the scariest. <laughs> um, but just being around him has uh, really helped me in my study and seeing his passion has helped me grow in my passion to study the Word of God. So we're going to start out with uh, the Word of God and uh, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. If you guys have your physical Bibles, electronic Bibles, either one will work. And when you have it, please say amen. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, hallelujah! Thank you. Thank you. Be a pro at sword drills. I know, I have to 
All right, so all you youth, if you guys aren't paying attention, I'm going to call on you to read. Right on. All right. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, this says man of God. It means everyone. So all you ladies in the room, please don't be offended. It does include you as well. Uh, so what I would like to give tonight is just some basic references, basic principles in studying the word of God. So the first thing I want to go over is understanding what the Bible is. And if we look back to our verse, 2 Timothy 3.16, we can see that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, what does this mean? In short... It means that every word in this book, every word in the Bible, may as well have been written by Jesus himself by his own hand. Out of all 66 books and however many authors, each one wrote under the unction of the Holy Spirit, of God's Spirit. And our belief and study of God's word is simply believing and trusting that it is truly and entirely God's word. So whenever we read the word of God, we have to have the, the basic understanding. We have to have the initial response that what we're reading is the absolute word of God. Everything that we read in this book has been inspired. It's been breathed by, the, by God himself into the author's hand so they can write what God has said. Now let's illustrate this for a minute. Let's take a delicious chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. Can I get an amen? It doesn't matter who makes the sandwich in back. Whenever you go through the drive-thru, you order a number one with lots of Chick-fil-A sauce and a medium mac and cheese. It doesn't matter who's making the sandwich in back. The worker is the quote-unquote author in this case. And, you know, it could be Isaac, it could be Ruth, Mary, Bartholomew, because all of them have Bible names for some reason. Anyone making the sandwich. But by the time it gets to my hands, it is a Chick-fil-A inspired sandwich. But why? Because the workers are making it based on one consistency, and that would be the recipe. They each may have a different process in making it, but the product is always the same. And in the same way, each author in the Bible may have a different topic or a different way of writing, but one thing is consistent. It is all inspired by the Word of God, or it is all in the inspired Word of God. The recipe is the inspiration from God. 2 Peter 1, 20-21 says, Knowing this verse, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, meaning that no scripture was written by someone else's understanding. Each writer was inspired by God through their relationship with him. But relationship is a different topic for a different day. So with this understanding being the first step in studying the word of God, we can now look a little bit deeper into understanding why this is important for us. Matthew 7 Chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It's a pretty familiar story. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine, and this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine 
and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. My next point I want to state tonight is that the Bible is not a foundation. The Bible is not a foundation. And we've all heard it, and we may even sing the song, you know, the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? Everybody familiar with that song? Does anybody watch Veggie Tales? The, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Come on, sing with me. <laughs> all right. But in a house, the first step to, to building a house is something called the footings. It's not the foundation, it's uh, something called the footings. A footing is the bottom part of a foundation that extends wider than the foundation walls and deeper into the ground to prevent settling or movement. So it's basically a slab of concrete that goes deeper than anything else into the very bedrock of soil. That way the, the actual foundation walls can stand on it and you know, whenever you know, storms come, whenever uh, you know, earthquake or anything, uh, since that foundation is built on those footings, it won't move, or it's unlikely to move. So without a footing, a foundation is susceptible to moving, cracking, collapsing. But the Bible is not susceptible to these things. The Bible is firm and never changing. The Bible was written to withstand the test of time and to be consistent in an ever-changing world. So when the wind comes, and the Bible is clear, just because we're Christian doesn't mean that we get a free pass on you know, storms and on you know, trials in this life. So when those trials come, and the winds blow, and the, and the floods come, and the rain starts to beat down on you, it is important that your foundation is built on a footing. And that footing is the Bible. Foundations can crack and break and and, and get messed up by, you know, these different types of storms. But the Bible is what you put your foundation on. The Bible never changes. So when a foundation starts to break and when your faith is shaken, we can go back to what is firm and never changing and rebuild from there. We do not get to just choose which part of the Bible we want our foundation. We want as our foundation today. It is in its entirety the bedrock on which we start building. We often have a set belief, and then we look into the Bible for anything that supports that belief. So we may, in our own mind, think something and start to believe something, and then we look to the Bible for support and try to find anything that may support our own belief that we've come up with all on our own. And we're all guilty of it. We, we say, I want to believe this, so I'm going to go look at Scripture and find something that will back me up. But our belief should be built on the Bible and not the other way around. If the Bible says it and teaches it, then we should believe it. Pardon me one second. <clears throat>
So with that foundation, you know, that's great, but how do we study the Word of God? You know, what's the, 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 the logistics of studying the Word of God? Well, the first thing that we need to do is understand that, one, it's inspired by the Word of God. And two, we need to understand that the Bible is the very thing that we build our foundation on. The Bible is what we build our beliefs on. But how do we study the Word of God? And this is where it becomes a little bit more personal and dependent on what works for you. And from the get-go, all I can tell you is what works for me. And what works for me may not work for you. But there are some fundamental truths to be aware of when we study the Bible uh, in order to understand it a little bit better. The first thing we need to understand is context. Now, in Bible college at Urshan, context is the thing that was beaten into our heads the most. Because if you don't understand the context of Scripture, you are getting in some dangerous territory. You are, if you read Scripture or take it out of context, there is much more likelihood for error or misunderstanding, and that obviously is not the intention of the Bible. That's not the goal of what Scripture is. So it's understand to, or it's important to understand the biblical context of what you're reading. So what is biblical context? Well, there's a few uh, key aspects of biblical context. There's the literal meaning. The literal meaning is basically what does it say in its entirety? What, it, what does the scripture say on the surface? And scripture is often taken and quoted out of context. Not always wrongly or not always intentional. But taking scripture out of context of its literal meaning can bring error and misunderstanding. The most common example that I can think of is... Hello. <laughs> the, the most common example of this that I can think of is Matthew 18.20. And we've, we've all heard it preached. Um, you know, it says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. We've all heard that preached, and it's a great preaching point. But I generally have an understanding that people don't necessarily know the context of that scripture. Has anyone actually gone in and read the full chapter of Matthew 18? Because you hear it preached from a pulpit, but the end of Matthew 18, where this verse is found, is Jesus instructing on what to do about a sinning brother or sister. It says that first you should go to them one-on-one. -on -one. And if they don't listen and change their ways, then you take one or two more people and confront them. And if they again don't listen and change their ways, then it should be brought before the church. And at the end of the chapter, Jesus states that where two or three are gathered in his name under this context, he is there among them. So although it's a great preaching point and although it's not necessarily unscriptural how it's being preached, it oftentimes is taken a little bit out of context. And I do encourage you to study that for yourself, get a little bit better understanding Unfortunately, we just don't have the time for that tonight. So sometimes quoting scripture out of context is not necessarily bad if the way it is being stated agrees with the biblical principle. The next, the next aspect of biblical context is the historical setting. The time and place of what you're reading. 
What events happened when this book was being written? If we take 1 Samuel or, okay, let's go New Testament, it's a little bit easier. If we look at uh, when Jesus be, was being crucified, while Jesus was being crucified, that was at the height of the Roman Empire that we've all learned about in history class. So we don't realize when we're reading the book or reading the Bible that what we're reading actually correlates with what we've learned in our history class about certain events in history. Understanding the time and place of, of Scripture and what's happening at that time helps us to understand what is going on at the culture, in the culture at that time. Some Old Testament events happened during the Persian Empire that we learned about in school. And much of the New Testament, again, happened during the Roman Empire. We can begin to understand and learn more if we know when and where the events of the Bible took place. Another aspect of biblical context is knowing the authorship and the audience of who that author was writing to. Knowing the audience, again, gives us insight to the culture. And we can determine what was going on at that time and see how the audience would have responded to that book. A lot of New Testament books were actually letters written by Paul to certain churches in the area and in the Middle East and Asia that he was writing specifically to them for issues that that specific place, that specific church was going through. So the authorship and audience also helps us to know why the book was being written. Another aspect of uh, biblical context would be understanding grammar. This one is one that I struggle with, and this is really if you want to go super deep into <laughs> studying the Bible. So at, at Urshan, we, uh, I had a class where the, the whole goal was to look at Scripture and we would spend weeks on one chapter and we would just go and analyze paragraph by paragraph of what the grammar was, what this verse was saying in context to this verse and, and what was going on just in that specific passage. It was very in-depth and it was, I did not retain much of it at all. It all went over my head. It was, it was very overwhelming. So... This is not one that I necessarily dwell too much on because there, there's ways that you can understand scripture without diving too deep into the grammar. And uh, that is something that you can do if you want to really dive deeper into studying the word of God. But sometimes it is helpful to know what a word is in the Hebrew or the Greek to understand what the author was truly saying. Um, I know sometimes I read scripture, I get a little bit confused uh, I don't necessarily understand what it's saying. And if I go and look it up, and I have Bible software on my laptop. If I go and look it up in that Bible software and find the, <coughs> excuse me, and I find that word, that word would actually translate to a different word in English that would make the verse make so much more sense. So sometimes it is helpful to know what a word is in Hebrew or Greek to understand what the author was truly saying. So, for example, the meaning of the word love in one verse could be completely different from the meaning of love in another verse. Um, in one verse, you know, love could be a, a sacrificial term. You know, if Jesus is, you know, if we're, if we're talking about 
the love of God and um, his willingness to sacrifice himself for us. Uh, one verse could be talking about love in that instance. And another verse could be talking about love how you would normally think, you know, like, I love my beautiful wife over here. And I love her in the other way as well. I would sacrifice myself for her also. So, um, moving on. The, uh, the final thing I want to speak on uh, about biblical context is intertextuality. And this is a, a fancy term for saying that the Bible is one long living story. It, from beginning from Genesis to Revelation, it is just one very long story that we're actually a part of today. And in this long story, it actually interacts with itself. If we look at prophecies in the Old Testament, excuse me, prophecies in the Old Testament, we see that some of those prophecies have come to pass either in the New Testament or even prophecies that have come true today. And vice versa, if we look at the New Testament, then uh, we can see that, you know, writers in the New Testament or, or, or Jesus or other characters in the New Testament are referencing scripture from the Old Testament. So the Bible is just one long story that interacts with itself because it is living. It is the living word of God and it does interact with itself without contradiction. Now, on to what I would say would be kind of the, the, the how-to. We've kind of talked about why it's important. Uh, we've talked about kind of the, the nitty-gritty on what to look for when you're studying Scripture. Uh, but let, let's talk about what we can do in order to study the Word of God better, in order to become better stewards of our study time. So, when studying the Word of God, consistency is the key to understanding and gaining a better relationship with God. In order to get the most of your study time, in order to get the most of your reading of your Word, you need to be consistent. So you need to have some sort of daily routine in place to maximize your understanding and to ensure that you have a daily relationship with God. Now, I'm not sure what that looks like to you. I only know what works best for me. And like I said, every person is different. It could be waking up at 5 a.m. every day and spending an hour in your Bible. That's not me. I am not an early riser. David, in the Bible, he was an early riser. And he... You know, states in the in the Old Testament that you know he would get up early in the morning and he would spend time with the Lord, but that's not necessarily uh, what you have to do. That is just a good practice, and there is a benefit to getting up early and spending time in the Word before your day starts. There is a benefit to reading the Word of God and and speaking to the Lord before your day even starts, to know that God is covering your day, He is ordering your steps, and He is walking with you throughout that day. I had, a, I had another professor at Urshan. He told me, it, it made me think a little bit, and it may be a little bit controversial, but I, I believe it, um, and it makes sense, and in no way am I you know, discounting 
the importance of prayer. We need to pray and we need to speak to the Lord and take our needs before him. But he, he made a statement that said, if we're going to do anything or if we are going to choose to do one thing over the other, then reading the Bible is, is more important than, than praying. Now, again, I'm not discounting prayer, but the reasoning that he says that is since this is the living, breathing word of God, doesn't it make sense to spend more time with the Lord talking to us than for us to be talking his ear off? You know, we would save a lot of time. We would save a lot of time if we would you know, take our problems Read what the word has to say about those problems. See what the Lord instructs us to do before we go and talk his ear off and, and ask for answers. And I know multiple times in my life I've went to look before the Lord and I've you know, asked him I had a problem that I needed help with. I've, I've uh, had an issue I needed his guidance with. And it came to me one day and I was just thinking... If I would have just read the Bible, if I would have just looked in Scripture, everything that we could possibly need is in this book. Any situation under the sun that we have, you can find an answer for it in this book. So, that's my two cents. Um, reading your Bible is very important. Praying is very important. And it needs to be a consistent daily routine and doing both. Now that consistent time could be setting time aside during or after work to spend time reading the Bible or, read, or, or praying. It could be playing an audio Bible in your car or, on your, or in your free time. Whatever the case, you absolutely need some sort of routine that works best for you. Now, for me, if I can be honest, I struggle with being consistent. I don't think there's one person that, okay, that's not true, but a lot of people struggle with being consistent. Now, that's something that we can all work on in some aspect, because I think every person could do better to manage their time well and, and spend more time reading the Word. But I wish I could say that I get up, you know, at the break of dawn and and read the Bible uh, for an hour every day, but it, it just doesn't happen every day. Like I said, I don't get up early. I wish I was better at managing my time, but, and we won't be perfect, but we can always strive to be more intentional. So that's more for me. And if you guys get that as well, then great, but that's more for me. Some habits of studying. Having good habits while you study will help you to remember scripture and retain what you read so it does not go in one ear and out the other. What you do while you read and how you, how you try to remember scripture and try to retain it is very important. And again, it depends on what's best for you. I can tell you what works for me, but no one knows you like you do. And you know what works best. And what works best for me, when I sit down and study, I like to sit on my couch with my Bible. I like to get my coffee, and I like to have it on 
my coffee table. I just sit there with my Bible open, and I actually use my YouVersion app. I'm pretty sure I have undiagnosed ADHD, so I take my Bible app, and I turn on the audio for the Bible, and I read along in my physical Bible. So that's what works best with me. I have a highlighter in hand, and you know, if something sticks out, I pause it. I'll, I'll go and... Uh, you know, look at references, I'll go look at some of my books that I have to try to understand it a little bit better and get a little bit more clarity on it. Um, so that's what I do uh, whenever I do. Um, typically, I read either the NKJV or the ESV, and that's just based on personal preference. Uh, those are both very safe, good translations to stick with. Um, the good old KJV is always a good one, but I can't understand it because I'm not. I, it was written a long time ago. It was written in the 1600s. <laughs> um, so, but if all else fails, if um, either the NKJV or the ESV, I'm still having trouble understanding, then I'll check the NLT, New Living Translation. And that one's usually pretty good about giving you the gist of what the passage says. And if I want to dive a little bit deeper into the meaning of a passage or verse, I'll go look at a commentary, a book called a commentary um, of that specific book or chapter. So if I'm reading Genesis and I want to get some clarification on, uh, on, on creation, I'll say creation, and I uh, want to get a little bit more clarity on it. A commentary is a book that basically goes verse by verse verse by verse, and uh, does a thorough explanation on each verse and expands on it and expounds on it. Um, you, know, you can usually find those pretty easily online. Just find a commentary. Um, not all of them are good, but you know, more knowledge is good than less knowledge. And what I, one other thing that I have started doing is I have started using these little uh, post-it note tabs. Um, in case I find anything I want to maybe reference later, um, I tried to color code them, but I didn't write down what the colors meant, so now it's just pointless. Um, but my goal with that is to basically make it look like my Bible has feathers. Um, so hopefully by the time I'm done with this and it's all worn and torn, it's going to have a lot of sticky notes coming out all sides. And um, it'll probably have some pages torn. And, but again, that's what works for me. So basically what you have to do in your study time is to find something that works best for you, whether it be getting up early, whether it be you know dedicating an hour a day at a specific time at seven o'clock or, or something to sit down, dive into your, into your Bible and just hear what the Lord has to say for you. Studying the Bible is a, a personal adventure that just starts with you diving in. As I said before, it's not a race to see who can read the fastest and remember every single detail, but your relationship with God is based on you and your willingness to seek him further in Scripture. No one is saying that you have to start out and spend four hours a day reading and studying. 
If you want to, that's great. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessary. Um, if you want to do that, that's fine, but I would advise working up to a designated time rather than jumping headfirst into a commitment that won't last. So it, it's great if you want to you know, study for an hour, two hours every day, but if that hasn't been a routine that you've been consistently doing, chances are you might fall off that routine if you don't start slow. It's kind of like working out. If you just jump in and try to lift all the weight in the world, chances are you're not going back to the gym the next day. I've done that like 10 times in the past three months. So I just... So my advice would be starting with an hour a day. And if you can't do an hour, do 30 minutes. If you can't do 30 minutes, do 10 minutes. But I guarantee you everyone has 10 minutes out of their day that they can spend reading the word and at least listening or, or reading or doing something to make sure that you are getting the word into your, into your uh, spiritual life. The reason why we need to study this is because this is how we communicate. This is, for the most part, how God communicates with us. This is how he speaks to us in most cases. He may give an audible voice of some sort at some point, but chances are, if you're looking for an answer, it's going to be in this book. And we need to understand that whenever you are reading, God may as well be right beside you speaking these words into your ear. And the goal is to know him more, whatever the cost, however you can. So find what works best for you and be consistent in your study. You don't have to know every single detail, but you do have the capability of diving deeper into what sticks out to you and what the Lord is telling. And when you read, the Lord is speaking to you. That's the most important part. That's what I want to get, want you guys to get out of this session, out of this lesson. That when you read the book, when you read this word, it is the inspired word of God. It is meant to instruct us on how we should live our life. It's meant to correct us when we do something wrong. And it's meant to show us and give us the correct doctrine that we should believe. That we may be better equipped to do good works and to reach the lost souls of this world. So that's, uh, that's all I have for you today. Um, I was telling them over there I was going to let out a little bit early, so we're about 15 minutes, but I do want to pray over you guys today. Uh, I want to pray that we would be more consistent in our study, we would have a better understanding of Scripture, and uh, we, we would be better about uh, managing our time in order to study, okay? So let, let's go ahead and end in prayer. Jesus, we worship you tonight. God, we thank you, Lord, for this word, and we thank you, Jesus, for your, for your holy word that you've given us, God. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity, God, to dig into what you have to say for me. God, I thank you, Lord, for the, the resources that you've given me to help me dive deeper into your word, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, to be better about studying. You would help us to be better about reading your word and, and setting time aside to spend with you, Jesus. Because, Lord, if we're not spending time with you, God, then our lives are being wasted. So, God, I pray, Jesus, that you would help us, Lord, 
to, to know you just a little bit more each day, God. Lord, I know that you're not asking us to run a marathon each day, but God, I know, Jesus, that you desire to know us just a little bit more. So, Lord, we praise you and we want to give you all the thanks and all the glory, God, for what you're going to do in our lives from this point forward. God, we thank you for all the blessings that you've given us up to this point, and we pray, God, that you would continue to bless us, God, as we continue to serve you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you once again, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen.